Welcome to NVIDIA's AI podcast. We've discussed deep learning systems that are trained to play and master games like chess, Go, and even Texas Hold'em. But training a deep neural net to play the racing game Mario Kart? What can you possibly learn from that? Our guest, Kevin Hughes, has all the answers. Uh, in his day job, he's a developer at Shopify, but he works on side projects on AI, and he studied AI uh, and did a master's in computer vision at Queen's University in Canada. Kevin, welcome. Hi. Let's just start with this. Why Mario Kart? Are you were you an obsessive Mario Kart player? Have you you know always? Do you have posters of Bowser on the walls of your office? What is it? You know, I've actually got a confession. As a kid, I had Diddy Kong Racing. I didn't actually <laughs> get my hands on Mario Kart until I was in university. So, how did you pick Mario Kart, and and what did you do? Like, what, like, what? Why this project, and you know, why spend your time getting the data, training the data, and building the system to 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 play this game? Well, I'd seen a couple other blog posts in the past about AI in video games. It's not a specifically new idea, but I just kind of never felt that anyone really went deep enough and. And did it in kind of a way that other people would read those projects and say, hey, you know, I could do that. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with this project is I wanted people to read it and be, you know what, like AI is not that scary. I can do that. I could try that. And that's actually kind of related to why I picked Mario Kart, because um, it's just a very iconic game that is very popular. Everyone knows Mario Kart and grew up with it. And I figured that if they could see an AI being trained on Mario Kart, then maybe they would, you know, look a little bit deeper into what AI is and how it works. Well, for the very few of us who don't know what Mario Kart is, it's a racing game where um, gorillas and things with mushroom heads and turtles and, you know, other things race around on a, you know, how would you describe the track or the landscape or, or whatever it is? I mean, it's it's a pretty standard racing video game. There's a road, and you try to stay on it and not hit things. <laughs> that's that's about the the sum of it. Yeah. Well, so how yeah. how do you go about starting this project, and how do you go about kind of documenting how you did it? Oh, where did I start? So actually, the first thing I started doing, and um, this is the I had this finish, and then kind of sat on this part of the project for about three years until I came back to it is uh, I set up my computer to run a Nintendo 64 emulator, and then I wrote a Python program that would basically take screenshots of a section of my desktop, save the images, while simultaneously reading input from my Xbox 360 controller and saving that to a CSV file. So then I kind of could create this data set of like, here's what my AI saw, and here's what you know Kevin was doing while playing the game. And then I could try to use some sort of AI technique to map the visual input to what the AI should do with it. I see. So you're playing the game. The AI eventually is kind of watching you play the game or learning from your actions and reactions within the game. Exactly. How many weekends and nights did that take? Um, actually, ironically, this is what I was doing the night before I was interviewing for the job that I now have. I would, you know, I got bored of studying like algorithms or whatever, and just started doing this instead and stayed up till about 1am, you know, coding this thing that would read screenshots from my desktop and save them out. Um, I think I got mostly done that night in a couple hours. I mean, it was pretty fast, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean... AI code is kind of interesting because you end up uh, 
you don't necessarily have that much code around, but you kind of have problems that you know how to solve. So you kind of reach for these things that you know you've done and you can build stuff pretty quickly sometimes. So the problem you were solving as it relates to Mario Kart was what? Like how, what were you training um, your deep neural net to do? Basically just to drive the course and, and follow, the, the, follow the lines of the road to complete the laps. And did, did that translate necessarily to winning the game or did it just translate to finishing the course? Um, I never actually tried it in a racing situation. I was really just focusing on the time trials and making sure that it could get through the, uh, through the laps. Uh, my main goal was I wanted to train it on a subset of the tracks and then make sure that it could actually drive some of the other untrained stuff in um, more, ac- more academic terms it, to make sure that it generalized. Right, right. So it was actually, it learned how to drive, as it were. Um, and so it could, whatever it was facing, it, it, it could handle in some sense. Exactly. And did it handle it? I mean, like, what, well, how did it work, you know, in the beginning? And how did it progress as it, it sort of got better or learned more? Well, so, I mean, there was more than a couple of roadblocks along the project, if we want to get a little deeper into it. Um, so I, I, I came back to the project uh, a couple of years later and chose a couple new pieces of technology, and, and started working towards getting it done. The first major roadblock that I faced was how was I going to get the output from my AI back into the um, emulator? And it's possible that I'm just naive and didn't know the best way to do this, but faking a joystick input to a computer is not actually <laughs> trivial. I, I thought it was going to be easy. I was like, oh, I'll just fake the joystick. That'll be fine. But uh, apparently uh, Linux doesn't like that. Right. So I kind of had to like step away from my computer and I came back and ended up writing an entire custom input plug into the emulator that would let me just feed data in from um, like a like a HTTP server kind of situation. So that was roadblock number one. Um, and then I had a pretty fun moment where I was hacking away on my input plugin and I wanted to make sure that I was correctly programming inputs. So I was like, all right, left joystick 100 percent booted up Mario Kart, and sure enough, Mario drove in circles forever. So I was like, all right, this is close. Um, Then I was like, all right, connected it all up to my AI. My AI was sending input in. I was super stoked. I trained the model, and like the convergence and everything looked good. Set it up. Mario just drove straight until he hit a wall. Oh, crap. That's not looking so good. Yeah. that Uh, doesn't. So I mean, it's crazy because what you're describing is – you know, teaching a system to drive. And you can imagine that when I say lift, this is what left means. When I say hard left, this is what it means. Um, and, you know, like there's nuance that even if it makes sense kind of geometrically, it maybe doesn't make sense once it's kind of applied out there in the non-real world of Mario Kart. Totally. Well, and that's kind of where the first thing that I found when I was going back to debug why Mario wasn't figuring out to turn with the road <laughs> is Mario Kart, the driving physics are, like, really not very realistic. And if you actually play the game, like, I recommend to do this. Play Mario Kart, and when you are turning, you'll realize that you don't actually turn. What you do is you course correct probably once every one second. So you do a really sharp turn, then you drive straight. You do a really sharp turn again, and then you drive straight. You don't really do, like, a smooth arc. So what that means is that the AI has plenty of data where it visually sees that it's in the middle of a curve, but it observes that the human player 
hasn't actually isn't doing anything about that and then it just pretty quickly realizes it's like an optimization problem right it's like right well i don't need to it doesn't realize that it's not getting its goal that feedback path wasn't in the ai that i built right so mario was driving like you were essentially or at least how it observed you were driving um where you're exactly. going straight huh, that's funny well let me just ask you this is that a little bit of a um clue as to how to be a better Mario Kart driver, what you just described that, you know, you go straight and then you course correct, you turn hard and then you go straight. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I ended up training it with like a very smooth curve. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if someone's, I mean, obviously if you get deeper in a Mario Kart, there's the whole power sliding mechanics that ends up being, I think pretty important if you want to be like a Mario Kart pro. Um, I never attempted to train my AI to power slide. Um, I think a few people on the internet have though. Well, That's actually one of the cool things is other people have then downloaded the software and then trained their own AIs. And like I've gotten emails from people that indicate that they've successfully followed through all the steps to get it running, which is pretty cool. Oh, so it works for not just you, but for other people. Well, so look, you, you teach Mario Kart to drive this subset of tracks and to, you know, do the, the time trial or whatever it is. But what did you learn from that? And, and, and if we can sort of step back or expand this, how does this approach using video games, um, you know, using training, let me say this again, how does this approach using video games as a source material, as data to train deep neural nets, how does that get more broadly applied out there in the world? Well, so I think a couple things. One, it uh, it gets more people interested in it, and it lowers the entry barrier, right? Because you can do this at home on a, a single machine. You don't need a real self-driving car. You don't need a robot kit or any of these other things. You can like start playing with virtual robots on your computer, and I think that's really cool because that's where you get this kind of like everyone in the world can do this scaling effect. Right. Um, so I think that's specifically interesting. And also, I mean, like collecting data to build some of these AI systems is a big challenge. And that's kind of what separates a lot of the big players in this field from the startups where, you know, if, if you're Google, you have years worth of driving data, whereas if you're a startup, you don't. But if you can spin up, a, you know, a couple clusters running Grand Theft, the latest Grand Theft Auto or like a, you know, high quality video game, if you can actually use that synthetic world to train real AIs, then that might be a really cost-effective way for new startups to acquire data and get into this um, get into this field. And I think a lot of people are actually looking at this right now of, you know, semi-virtual synthetic environments for training AIs. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned Grand Theft Auto and, and training people to drive um, and drive alone, I hope, but that it is sort of an open secret that that's happening right now and that companies in, you know, pursuing autonomous vehicles, that's one of the way that they're getting, you know, their systems to, to learn how to drive is Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got realistic physics. We understand physics. It's got you know, visually, I mean, you're, you're de- the first thing your deep learning net is going to do is it's going to start, you know, deconstructing that image down into much more primitive things. So the graphic, like the first layer of the network is basically like destroying the graphics in terms of like the actual information that's encoded, if that makes sense. Well, wait, so you're saying that it's, it's trying to get to the physics as opposed to, you know, get past all the, the, the beautiful graphics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, like when when your AI is seeing the road, whether it's looking at the very pixelated road of Mario Kart, the you know almost not pixelated at all road of Grand Theft Auto, 
or an actual road from the camera of a car, it's you want your AI to learn what a road looks like. Mm-hmm. And that concept is going to be much like it's not going to be related to like high, how high fidelity the original road it saw was. Right, right. It could be, it's the sort of concept of a road and, you know, what, and recognizing the right kind of curves and in, in some cases stop signs or obstacles or, or whatever it is. And yeah, whether, exactly. And whether those were, you know, rendered by Mario Kart or by Grand Theft Auto or by, you know, some other simulation that is really out there in the world, um, it sort of doesn't matter. Or, or does it? Like, do you think that, um, you know, how, how could you, <laughs> well, let me, let me put it this way. Would you get into a car driven by your Mario Kart AI? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you make, well, why not? And then how do you make that shift from, you know, hey, I'm great at video games, but out here in the real world, I need to think differently. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. Obviously, companies that are doing this are logging, you know, thousands of successful hours, which definitely helps a lot. They also have a lot more data that went into their model, Um I, I pretty much played the bare minimum amount of Mario Kart to to make this work, which was already a lot of Mario Kart. Uh-huh. Um, so those two things make a big difference. And I think, obviously, for a real-world system, you need a whole second layer after your AI that sort of limit checks the, the outputs of whatever your AI would do. I mean, this is getting way into, like, implementation of a real self-driving car, which I'm definitely not qualified to talk about. But the 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 concept of training something on a on a game, as it were, and, a, and maybe that's game in quotation marks, but that then shifts the learning into the real world. That seems pretty solid. And 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 are there other? There's driving. Um, but are there other applications for that for from the gaming world that you can see where you know think, systems learn how to do something pretty well in a in a simulated world, and then they take that you know and and tune that up for the for the real world. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a good strategy for for data generation. I mean, I mean, if you have a problem, I would definitely try to see if you can make it fit into that mold. Right. So if it's you know maybe it's um, you know we we talked about I mentioned at the beginning chess and go and and poker. Those are maybe too specific as far as games go. But are there even in those kind of game theory situations? Are there other things that can be applied out there in the real world by training systems to play those games really well? Yeah, I mean. Those ones are a little bit more specific because I think when you're talking about um, like more of like an open-ended game, that's kind of where like that's more the domain that I understand with like visual learning, what you're seeing, what you think you should do. Something like chess and Go has like a very deep game tree that you need to look into the future, and there's a, a couple of different concerns concerns there when you're doing stuff. Right, but um, even but but like you know we've had flight simulators, so that, I mean that makes sense because it's 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 not cars, but it's planes. But there's also I don't know um, sort of strategy games and and uh, other kinds of adventure games. I guess you could say where you're you're you know getting over terrain and you're solving problems. And I guess like yeah, you say, totally. If you can find the problem that fits the problem you're trying to solve in the real world, then maybe a game is a good way to train it. Totally. From what I understand, there's a pretty competitive scene for building StarCraft AIs. I don't know what the application there is, but people, I'm pretty sure, legitimately compete about who can make the best StarCraft AI. What's the response been out there in the world? And what other, you know, you mentioned that other people have used um, your programs to build their own Mario Kart uh, driving uh, AI systems. 
ha- has it been extended further? Have you seen other things um, in the Mario Kart realm or, or the things that you started people took and ran with? Yeah, so I mean, the response has been pretty phenomenal. I mean, a, a lot of people have read it. It uh, it bounced around. Well, it's still bouncing around on Twitter, and uh, lots of good feedback. Lots of people like reaching out that they want to, you know, get into this and and try a project in this field. If they have any, if I have any advice for them, which is really cool. I guess basically that was my original goal was to get people out there trying stuff. Um, there's been a, a handful of commits to the actual project on on GitHub, um, especially. Um, Brian Zier has done quite a few nice contributions. He cleaned up a couple of the things that uh, that I just did as quickly as I could to, to finish the project. And um, but his, his big contribution is he actually merged what I did with Mario Kart 64 and um, OpenAI's universe and gym environments, which is a whole wrapper for doing AI on video games. I think they have all the Atari stuff, and then they do have the Grand Theft Auto, and then now they have Mario Kart 64, but more generally, they have the ability to add additional N64 games to that, and basically, when you create a gym environment, that's when you're you're giving a bit more context. So in the gym environment, it's like, okay, here's how you start the race. Your goal is to do laps, and it actually detects when you've made that goal, and it opens up the, um, it opens it up to other AI things, and you could do like reinforcement learning and just let this run on a machine someplace and let the machine give it the goal and let it try to get there, which is pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I would really hope that uh, that somebody else picks up another N64 game and tries to do something soon. Just to back up a little bit, what you're describing that Brian, this fellow Brian, helped do, and thank you, Brian. But it's an AI system that can play multiple games, right? That can play, you know, as many as it's been trained on at this point, correct? Yeah, exactly. And he just, he put a bunch of the uh, the plumbing around to, to make that easier to do, which is pretty cool to see. What N64 game would you like somebody to tackle next? You know, I was thinking about it a bit. I think Star Fox would be a good one to try. Star Fox, now Star Fox is outer space. What What, what goes on in Star Fox? I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but yeah, I seem to remember it's it's you're in outer space, you're flying a ship, you got to get to the end of the level, and you got to shoot down some things on the way. Um, there's a lot going on, and it's it's very visual, and there's a lot of 3D space, and uh, I think it'd be cool. Someone should check it out. All right, Star Fox, get to work, people. Um, and for those people who want to get to work, what advice do you have? Like, how do you start to tackle these things? And I think it's great because, like you say, this is meant to pull people into the whole world of it, and so. What advice do you have for those people? You know what? You just got to get out there and get your hands dirty. The best thing about computers is they'll tell you when they're right. They'll tell you when you're wrong. You can do it at home. It's great. And, uh, you know, check it. Check out the project on GitHub. It's called TensorCart. If you, uh, you know, if you want to work around in there, I'm happily accepting pull requests and merging people's changes. So if you want to even just start exploring there, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, Get in there, get to uh, GitHub and get to work. Kevin Hughes, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Postscript here. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or whatever your favorite podcast player is, do us a favor and leave us a review. Thanks for listening.